Let's give that to the Lord tonight. Would you do it? David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Are you glad to be in church tonight? Praise God. I was just getting ready to make my way over here tonight. And uh, I didn't have my tie on. And I didn't didn't have everything just together and all of a sudden that alarm went off there's been an emergency in the building a fire emergency in the building everybody needs to get out I don't know if that was an omen for what was going to happen here tonight or but I'd like to see the fire of the Holy Ghost descend in this house tonight Thank you for the opportunity to be here. I'm not sure who all Brother Urshan was talking about a few moments ago, but we are honored to be considered his friend and all of the ministry that head up this um, meeting. Thank you for your confidence. I want God to help me tonight. I know where my help comes from. And I've prayed and asked God to give direction. And I really do believe he's going to help us tonight. Everything's been great. The room, the hospitality. Thank you so much for everything that you've done to make us feel welcome. And uh, I want to give honor to my bishop, my dad. I love and appreciate him. How many know it's important that you have a man of God in your life? Praise God. all of the ministry that will be ministering in the remainder of this service I have prayed for you asked God to speak to you and I'm looking forward to what God is going to do over the next few days if you have your Bibles I would invite you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 2 Genesis chapter 2 and verse 21. Then we will go to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. I know we have a number of scriptures to read, but it'll help kind of set the foundation for where we're going tonight. Genesis 2 and 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs, everybody say a rib, and he closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. 
Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 29. While you're turning there, we still do believe that God made Adam and Eve, don't we? All right. All right. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 20, 29. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. One last portion of scripture, Matthew 16 and verse 15. And Simon Peter answered and said, we're kind of jumping into the middle of the narrative here. Thou art the Christ. How much glad you know who he is. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed art thou Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell. And the gates of hell. shall not prevail against it. I want to talk to you by the help of the Holy Ghost for the next few moments tonight on this subject. Structure matters. Structure matters. Praise God. There's a lot of stuff in life that matters, but I want to tell you to the child of God, there's fewer things more important than structure. And with the help of the Holy Ghost, I'd like for God to help us get a fresh revelation of what he's put us in. If you're glad you're in the church of the living God, would you lift your voice to him right now? God, we love you. I need you God I need you God I need you God I need you God I need you thank you God for the church hallelujah praise God God bless you you may be seated structure matters to God and it should matter to us from the very beginning, the opening lines of your Bible, you begin reading what has become known as the story of creation. But the reality is, is that it's more a story of separation than it is a story of creation. Because he begins by dividing 
and separating light from darkness, water from water. The chaos that is evident in the first two verses slowly begins to be reversed by separation. We're living in a world that wants to be created out of chaos instead of separated from it. They want God to do the creating, but they don't want God to do the separating. We still serve a holy God that has a holy people. A people that have been separated from other people. We're not like every other people, but we have been called out. We have been separated. If you don't like separation, you sure enough going to hate the rapture. You better fall in love with separation. It's going to be your friend. And do you know what? It's not just your friend at the end. It's your friend now. So he began separating and chaos began to be reversed. He began to introduce order to the chaos. And structure was the byproduct of separation and the establishment. So we serve a God that if you were to ask men in scripture who he is, they would tell you he's a shepherd. Moses would say, I've seen him as a burning bush. We all have our own definition of who he is by how he's revealed himself to us. But if you ask God who he is, ask God to define who he is. And he'll tell you, I am holy. God's self-definition is I'm holy. We have gotten away from identifying. And thank God for meetings like this where you can preach like this. But we've gotten away from, and there's a, a little bit of a spirit of intimidation that gets on us for identifying as holiness people. We don't mind identifying as Pentecostal, and we are. And we don't mind identifying as apostolic in doctrine, and we are. But we, we for sure better not be intimidated to identify ourselves by what God identifies himself by. I hate to break it to you, but God's not Pentecostal. God's not apostolic. He said he's holy. Ah, uh, hallelujah. All of that to underscore the fact, just to get us to where we're trying to go tonight, that structure is paramount. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed. Framed by the word of God. 
This church that is built on a rock. It's, it's got a structure. Heaven is not just a state of mind. Hell is not just a state of mind. And neither is the church just a state of mind. Heaven has gates. Hell has gates. And the church has a door. There's a structural component to what makes us who we are. Oh, hallelujah. You walk into a building like this, structure is something that you seldom see. You'll walk in and comment on the interior decorating. You'll comment on the color selection. But seldom does anybody come into a building and compliment the structure that supports everything you see. Structure is not what we look at, but it supports everything we look at. I had the privilege one time of looking at a set of plans for a building that was being constructed in our town. And when they brought them in, they said, we're constructing this for an ambulance care service. But the purpose that we have is beyond just providing a place for an ambulance to be. We also want to provide a safe structure for this community that in times of a storm or in times of a hurricane or whatever it may be, they've got somewhere that they can run that has been certified to pass all of the structural components to make it safe. I looked at it. One of the things right across the top was you can't use an air nailer building this structure. They had it right in the blueprint, Brother Urshan. You got to use a hammer and nails. What's evil about an air nailer? We're building these houses all the time with air nailers. I can remember looking at it saying, now come on, is there really something residently wrong with an air nailer that we would have to go back to an old method that takes longer? It's not as quick. It takes more effort. It takes a lot of blood and sweat. And that's when it dawned on me. They weren't just building a garage. They were building a safe structure. If you're just building a garage, you can build it with whatever you want to build it with. But if you're going to build something that's going to stand the test of time, if you're going to build something that can withstand the storm, 
terms of this life. We don't need to invent new methods. We don't need to rely on new techniques. We don't need the latest gadgets. It may take a little while longer, but build it with the same old weapons. Seems pretty radical, doesn't it? Your, your pastor has a problem with air nailers? Are you kidding? What's wrong with an air nailer? Oh, that, that spirit gets a hold. I, oh, yeah, it does. You mean he, he makes a deal about whether you use a hammer or whether you use an air nailer? Are you kidding me? And you know what? It can get wearing on you. Doesn't he know? He, he'd be able to build a church a lot quicker. That youth group would be able to grow a lot faster. He said, I, I'm not just building a garage. I'm building something that when it gets rough outside, I know when I get to that structure, it's going to be what I need. Everything else around will be shaken but when I get there it's still going to be there you better thank God every day he puts you in an apostolic church you better never underestimate don't let a day go by that you don't thank him for giving you access to a structure that will preserve you I hate to break it to you but it's going to take more than the Holy Ghost to get you to heaven it's going to take more than baptism in Jesus' name to get you to heaven. It's going to take more than repentance to get you and me to heaven. You and your Bible and talking in tongues won't make it. No, 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 no. He built a church. He built a structure. That you've got to get it. You need the church if you're going to make it. Don't fall out with the church. Don't get an attitude at the church. Don't get upset at the structure. There's only one thing that I know of that's got a guarantee that's going to make it. And it's the church of the living God. I don't have that guarantee. You don't have that guarantee. I've got to get inside of something that has the guarantee that it's going to make it. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Oh, hallelujah. I got to hurry. You can't build it after your pattern, sir. You can't use your weapons, sir. You can't use your tools, sir. You got to build that exactly 
how he wants it built. What a contrast when you keep reading through Genesis between the stuff God builds and the stuff men build. That ark pitched within, without, no air nailers there, brother. 120 years. Slow, laboring process. But buddy, when the rains came. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Go ahead and compare it with the Tower of Babel. See how, see how those structures work. When a man builds them how he wants to build them. Ambition gets involved. Oh yeah, it does. Yeah, a lot of factors get involved when he starts building that, how he thinks it can be built. He, he, he thinks it's going to be okay. I'll never forget. I know I'm telling a few stories, but we're going to get a little more book on it here in just a minute. But I'll never forget going into the house of a backslider. Multi-millionaire. He'd been on a bender for about three weeks. Called me up. Said, I want to talk to you. So I made my way in. House that I'll never live in. He met me at the door staggering. He said, I want to tell you something. He said, I remember what it was like in church. So I, I, I remember. And he goes on for the sake of time. He begins describing Sunday night services. The Holy Ghost. That he felt. He remembers describing all that. I mean, with vivid detail in an intoxicated state, he can remember. This is what it was like in that structure. And then he looked at me across that granite countertop. He said, now I'll tell you something. I'd come back if you just change. And he started to list a few things that he wanted me to change. That separation thing is just a little too much. He's telling me a little bit of wine for his stomach's sake. So, okay. He's drunk. That's where that'll end up. And I told him, I said, I want to tell you something, sir. If I change what you just asked me to change, when you come back, what you're missing will be missing. seeker-friendly and to make it more, more you know, we, we, we want you to just make a few adjustments. They'll never be happy. You'll make those ones and they'll come back wanting you to make a few more. And I'm sorry, but I've got something burning on the inside of me. I, I, I'm here to push back against that spirit that tells us we're being too extreme and too radical. And we're being 
Oh no, we're not being too radical. Oh no, we're not being too extreme. I'll keep having church with a hammer and a nail. And you go ahead and get you an air nailer if you want. But I'll still sing the songs of Zion. I'll still sing. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood. Oh, yes, I will. I'll still do it like my grandpa did it. I'll still have my wife dressing just like my mama dressed. Oh, yes, I will. Why? Because structure matters. Sad reality is you won't know when you gave up too much. You'll never know until a storm comes. How much can you give up, Samson? And still keep your strength. A little bit of wine. A little interaction with some dead stuff. Then a little trimming of the hair. Just, 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 just that stuff that that extremist pastor of yours told you was necessary. Problem is, is you can reach out and touch it. And go back and still bench press. You can still reach out and touch it. God in his mercy. But I'll tell you. Let me tell you when. You're going to know you gave up too much. When the Philistines. Are knocking at the door. That's when you're going to know. much can we play with without it affecting our power ladies how much can you trim off the bottom of your hair before oh come on now oh come on now how much makeup can you play with well it's clear well then what are you wearing it for if it's clear, you don't need it. How much can you play with that before it begins to undermine the structural integrity of this thing that's got the power of God in it? I want the power of God to be resonating in my youth group, resonating in my church. Instagram feed. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. If we wonder where these fashions are coming from that get elbowing their way in. We never had a problem with it when we preached against TV. Because TV was what the channel was that brought it to us. Now Now, now you got it in your pocket. And this is what blows my mind. 
you like it. And the whole time, I feel a shift in the structure. You can label me as extreme. I want to tell you, when the world gets rocking and rolling, I don't want my church to let me down. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How much can you listen to worldly music before that rebellious spirit gets a hold of you? How much can you talk about your pastor before all of a sudden that gets a hold of you? Uh, Structure matters. Structure matters. I'm hurrying, but listen to me carefully. In our text, we read about God creating a woe man. Thank God for woe man. Praise God. Woe man. Can I get a witness? Praise God. And if you don't like, brethren, if you don't like woe man, you can come talk to Brother Joel Booker after. He'll help you. Praise God. You're welcome. God put Adam to sleep when he started making Eve. Because he didn't want his opinion. Just like he don't want yours. God is sleeping watching him build a church and when he presents it to himself it's going to be a whoa man moment he reached into the side here we go now he reached into the side of Adam and he pulled out a piece of a rib that was a bone the skeletal structure of what makes you walk what makes you able to accomplish purpose is that skeletal structure on the inside. Yeah. If you didn't have structure, you'd still be back in the hotel room thinking about being here. That's right. That's right. Structure is what enables you to get up on your feet and walk out your desire and walk out your dream and stop hating structure. Structure matters. He pulled that piece of bone out of sight of, the, of, of Adam. And the Bible says that when he presented her, Brother Williams, to Adam, Adam looked at her and he said, She's bone of my bone. But he didn't stop there. And she's flesh of my flesh. Where'd she get the flesh? I can't find any scripture where he reaches and get any flesh from Adam to make Eve who she was. All he took was structure. 
I said, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All he took was structure. All he took was structure. But if you leave structure alone, God will flesh it out. So there's this whole, there's this whole ideology. And there's this push, and there's churches being led astray, and there's innocent youth groups being led astray by guys that get this crazy idea that thinks power and anointing and the miraculous can be somehow separated from structure. And I'm here to tell you that it's one and the same. Our power does not come in spite of our structure. It comes because of our structure. It comes because we have... Hallelujah. Where does life come? Leviticus said it comes from the blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood. Where does that come from? The marrow. It's on the inside of that skeletal system. That's where it comes from. Oh, so you, you, you get messing with the structure. You'll lose the power. You'll lose the life. Go ahead and play with Hollywood. You'll lose it. Oh, yeah. Go ahead and just play a little bit with it. The blood supply begins to be choked off. Well, you don't think structure matters? God shut up the windows of heaven. He shut up the windows of heaven over Israel. And finally, after three years, David said, what gives God? He said, I'll tell you exactly what it is. You got to make a trip back up the mountain where there's an old king that died wrong. But somebody didn't handle his bones right. Come on now. Somebody didn't handle that structure right. Yeah, but he didn't die right. There's something wrong with him. My pastor, you better get your tongue off your pastor. Come on. Listen, listen. I know that there's pastors that go bad, but the position will never go bad. There may be preachers that go bad, Brother March, but there ain't positions that go bad. You'll always need somebody in your life. You better get your tongue off that. Well, I don't think structures really matter. He shut up heaven. He brought a famine on the land because they wouldn't treat the bones of an unanointed king right. I'm hurrying. God still possesses the ability to deal with the man and leave the office intact. Well, I don't know. I don't know if all this really matters. Ah, ah. I think you're overemphasizing this tonight. Let me tell you, there is no 
coincidence that the first step to this new birth message is repentance. So I see a man by the name of Jacob strutting into a place called Bethel. Man, he's got that Jacob air going on. He's, he's okay. And he starts wrestling with a theophany. And in that process, God reaches down and he touches him in a structural way. And when he touched him, he said, he was just there for a blessing. He was just there for a blessing. And God said, there ain't no way. I got a blessing for you. Oh, and he does. He does. I've got a blessing. I've got an Israel for you. But I can't stretch the identity of an Israel over the structure of a Jacob. And he touches him in the hollow of his thigh. And when he leaves, he's got a different identity. But he walks different. He talks different. He don't walk like Jacob anymore. He, oh, come on now. He, I'm a little worried. I'm a little worried that we're in such a hurry to ram our way into a revival that we're jumping over the first step, which is repentance. And we're baptizing people that answer to Israel and walk like Jacob. Do you know what I believe could happen in this week? I believe that God can touch young people. That'll change how they walk from this moment on. I believe it, Brother Spell. I believe it. I believe it. You can't accept the cloak of sonship without accepting the structure of him being your daddy. structure matters and so there's this whole deal structure doesn't really make any difference you can have Holy Ghost Church without it you can have dancing without it you can have it don't matter you can just do no 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 it may take you a while to spend that inheritance but it'll go it'll go it'll go so somehow 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 oh Jesus help me somehow there's some Moabites, and they're in a tussle, and they got a man to bury. Come on now. And they're looking for a place to put him, and they look up and see some men coming, and they realize we got to throw him in this. In, we got to throw him in this grave that's got some remains in it. And the Bible says that when that man struck the bone, somebody shout the bone. Of that old prophet. Something came alive in that guy. Because the resurrection. Is always attracted. To a structure. That is right. I don't think you just heard what I said. 
I said that the anointing and the resurrection is always attracted to a structure that's intact, that is right. I'd like to see that happen this week. Where's something get? Oh, come on, come on. Well, I sure wish my pastor would quit preaching. I wish he'd get off that hobby horse. I wish he'd leave the marinators alone. Jeremiah tried that, sat down, said, Not going to talk about it no more. Oh, man. There's there's this thing going on inside of me. It wasn't a fire in his belly. It wasn't a, no, 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 no. It wasn't a fire. No, come on. That fire was in his bones. It was in his bones. It was in his bones. It's just like fire. Shut up in my bones. Preach it, preacher. Preach it like you've never preached it. Oh, shut up. Charismatic preacher, I wish they were in this house. Everyone that's walked away from this. I wish they could hear me tonight. Please listen to me. Our structure is not our inhibitor to revival. Our structure is the reason we'll have it. And you may have bought into a slick little technique that you think can get it done quicker. But when your air nailer burns out, I'm still going to have me a hammer. I'm going to do it. Resurrection is always attracted to structure. Well, I feel what I'm fixing to tell this church tonight. He took that prophet by the spirit. Set him down in a valley full of structure. Come on. It was disjointed. It wasn't in order. But everybody else walked by thinking you can't do nothing with that. But my God, God can do amazing things with a valley full of structure and a preacher that's willing to preach it. Oh, come on, come on, come on. There needs to be a resurrection of structural preaching, of preaching that builds the church, builds the church. Preaching don't need to be the quietest part of the service. Preaching don't need to be the... Preaching's that part of the service where there's a noise as the bones begin to quake and as the bones begin to assemble. Hallelujah. And it begins to represent the word that's being spoken over it. Bone to bone. 
preaching that's anointed of God and that's structural in nature will not create a freak. It won't hook a leg bone to a wrist bone. It won't. No, 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 no. No, no, it won't. No. I don't know how long he preached, but I feel this. I'm telling you, this afternoon I felt this. We can sit around boardrooms all day long and say, where's the army that's rising up? Come on. Come on now. Come on now. Where's the army? I believe I got the answer where the army is. Come on now. The army's dormant because we're preaching the wrong thing. If we start preaching the structure of this thing, we'll wake up an army. If we start preaching, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, we'll wake up an army. If we start preaching, neither is there salvation in any other name, we'll wake up an army. If we start preaching separation from the world, we'll wake up an army. We'll wake up an army. Was it long? Was it long as he preached it? The spirit began to move. All of a sudden it started fleshing itself out. Just like that initial rib started by the word and the spirit working in tandem. An army started rising. I'm hurrying. Listen to me carefully. There's an Old Testament precedent, Brother Urshan. The Passover, when they took that lamb, Numbers says, don't break the bone. Of that lamb. Oh my God. And I know some may read that as an interesting little footnote to Calvary, but it's not. It was prophetic. And not one bone of his body was broken. Somebody shout, structure matters. Not one bone of his body was broken. Not one, not one. He submitted to a cross so he wouldn't have to be broken to bear it. But he had something on his mind beyond just the here and now. He was positioning himself for a resurrection. Because the resurrection is always attracted to a structure that's right. Oh, Jesus, help me, God. 
I'm going to say something here, and I hope, I hope it's not misunderstood. I'm not making, I'm not making excuses for the lust of the flesh, please. But I'm telling you, Jesus' flesh was beaten. He was shredded. Nobody could recognize him. Marred beyond recognition. Stripes on his back. Hanging there in that condition. The flesh was in a mess. Yes, sir. But the structure was okay. I feel this in the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, in my short years of pastoring, I've seen young people backslide over the lust of the flesh. Got their eye on a girl. Got caught up. Emotions. Yes, sir. When they left, I was crying. They were crying. I said, Pastor, I love you. But that pull, I don't know if you've ever felt like that. I'm sure these men of God have. When you're talking to somebody in a state like that, it's like you're punching and your arms are too short. You can't, you can't land anything. You know, it's just like, can't reach them. They're just beyond grasp. But they're not leaving because they hate you and they're not leaving because it's just, their flesh is a mess. And I've seen them finally come to their senses. Like the prodigal son did. And make their way back. But, but, I've had other ones stand there and they get that defiant spirit. Ain't no preacher gonna tell me what to do. I tell you, this be the last time I ever, and you can see the structure crumbling before your eyes. Oh, yeah. And it grieves me because I know the chances of them coming back. Pretty slim. Because they tampered with that structure and now there's no place for a resurrection to land. But I see that prodigal son sitting in that pig pen, hungry. And he starts remembering, this is what it was like. He starts remembering the structure of home. He remembers that there's sons, servants, remembers meals. He didn't leave because he was mad at his daddy. He just wanted to live riotously for a while. So he said, ah, I'm just going to make my way. I'll do my thing. But boy, when the thing runs out, he knows there's only one structure. Somewhere it enters his mind. I know we've slowed down here for a moment, but somewhere it enters his mind. I'd be better off a servant in that structure. better off and he 
picks himself up and starts making his way. And the daddy runs and meets him. He says, just make me a servant. And his daddy looked at him and said, can't do it. Because we have kept the same structure that you left. And the same structure that prevented you from living riotous is the very same structure that says you're a son. And if you're going to come back, you can't come back as a servant. If you left as a son, you got to... to a close so old Balaam gets hired this, this conflict we're in is structural there's a structure to hell just like there is to heaven just like there is to a church I want there to be structural victories in this place this week I know this is the first night but I think it can start happening tonight Victories that change how you walk. Well, I don't think it really makes any difference. So they hired Balaam. He said, I want you to curse them people. Took him up to the top of this mountain. Said, look down out over this. And as he looked down, and the Bible says that he saw them camping in their tents according to the standard. Wasn't just a church deal. But at home, yeah, come on, right, come on. On Monday, on Tuesday, not just Sunday. Come on. Balaam opened his mouth to curse that. Oh, you. This is what the compromisers are losing. This is what the charismatics are losing. They don't realize what they're walking away from. While they're there in that valley with the tabernacle in the middle and everybody camped how they're supposed to be. There's a man up on a mountain trying to curse them. And God says, oh, no, you can't. You you can't curse them because they're living right. You can't curse them because they're living according to the structure. you you don't know how many times your structure has saved you I don't know how many times it's kept the curses of hell off of me I just get up living how I thought I was supposed to live praying I didn't know what was going up on the mountain I didn't know and God says can't do it. Here's a scary thing. And we're going to hit this and close out. Prophetically. He said, well, if I can't, if I can't convince them prophetically, then I'll create a doctrine. Yeah. 
We're not going to get this done, but I'm just going to leave this with you. The doctrine of Balaam. The doctrine of Balaam. Do you know what the doctrine of Balaam is? Assimilate. Intermingle. Marry. Get cozy with it. Get intimate with it. This separation deal is not that big of a deal. You can go ahead and date her. Come on now. And that's a doctrine that starts to get pushed. There ain't nothing wrong with air nailers. Pushed. Pushed. And we've got people buying into the doctrine and forsaking the prophecy. Do you know what the prophecy was? Let me give it to you in a nutshell. The prophecy was this. Not only can I curse you, but this is where the tables turn. Somebody say, this is where the tables turn. This is where structure starts paying off. He said, I brought you out of Egypt like a unicorn or a wild ox. And I am the oracle that has my eyes open. And I'm telling you that you're going to defeat your adversaries. And you, are you ready now? Listen, you will break their bones. Structural with this fight. That's why when they threw Daniel in the lion's den and he had mastery over those lions, that's half the story. Don't stop there. Threw the rest of them in. And you know what your Bible said? Before they hit the bottom, all, somebody shout, all All. of their bones were broken. It was a shift. Something changed. Daniel was never going to have to fight that battle again. It was a new day because there was a shift in the structure. come to the music there was a shift in the structure there was something so he's laying outside the gate he got as close to that structure as he could get but his weaknesses kept him outside and here comes Peter and John on their way to pray and the paradox of preaching is the temptation to give people what they want instead of what they need Peter and John said, let me tell you something. I don't have what you want. And I'm not sure if this is what you wanted tonight. And I'm not saying that, that you didn't. But I'm not sure it's what you wanted, but I felt it's what you needed. And that's the paradox of preaching. Giving people what they need. And he was just sitting there as close as he could get to that structure. But he had a few problems himself. Such as I have. Give I thee 
in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And immediately his feet and his ankle. Oh, come on. His ankle. His ankle. His structure. The weakness in his structure that kept him from worshiping. The weakness in his structure that kept him from loving God with everything that was in him. They kept him outside the gate. In a moment, something began to happen. So I see him taking two preachers, Brother Williams. They're putting them in stocks inside of another structure. They've got them locked up. You better thank God for preachers that won't be intimidated into compromising. Brother Paul. Silas looked at each other. You know what? We're in an unfortunate situation right now. But I'm convinced enough in what I've preached and the revelation that I've got that our help will be coming. Just like Joseph had enough of a belief that when they said, don't you, don't, 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 don't you leave my bones here. Come on. Come on. Because there's coming a day that God.